0: Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. Moth and Ghost Storian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, is Quarantine Ghost down in the chat. I know you keep trying to figure out who they are, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to leave it up to you guys to figure out who or what Quarantine Ghost may be. But, but QG, haunting the chat. Our episode coming up for you tonight is the history of shadow people, or really... Uh, shadow people throughout history, and how we have seen this phenomenon over the ages. Over the ages, It is uh, very extensive. It is very vast. I did a uh, short, kind of condensed video, about 10 or 11 minutes on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. Here on the edge of the Rabbit Hole channel, specifically the Beyond the Shadow show, we're going to be doing a deeper dive of this phenomenon. And we did mention it a little bit. On the uh, last show, the uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole show uh, with Mary Marshall, who was our guest, who is absolutely phenomenal. She's extremely knowledgeable. Uh, takes a very scientific approach to uh, to all of this different, varying phenomena. Even though she is also a uh, intuitive medium, so uh, that was a real treat. And we're going to be getting into um, this topic here. That a lot of it is really based in A Walk in the Shadows, my book that was just released out in January. I did uh, cover shadow people throughout history because you know I, I want people to see that this isn't just a recent phenomenon. This isn't something that's popped up here over the past 20 years, that the internet has proliferated, that uh, we've only been talking about for a short period of time. Um, you know, I get asked the question a lot when it comes to shadow people, black-eyed children, uh, men in black, all these different uh, types of phenomenon and, and entities. You know, Is this just a recent phenomenon that we're seeing because uh, legends and lore and stories are being proliferated over the internet and it's kind of um, exploded here over the past uh, 20, 25 years? And there is a degree of that, yeah, the stories have gotten around a lot more because of the internet, however they predate all that. Shadow people have been around literally forever since time immemorial. They have always been with us. Um, they've been recognized as shadows, shadow entities, uh, specifically named shadow people You know, long, long ago. This is not just a recent thing. So we're gonna be getting into uh, all of these uh, different types of uh, history of shadows, so. Um, so let's dive into it. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, go ahead and throw those down in the chats. Um, since we are live here on YouTube, Quarantine Ghosts will be uh, feeding me those questions from you guys. So uh, anything you have, toss them my way. So where we're going to st- start, like I said, time immemorial, we're going way back to ancient Sumer. And uh, this is really interesting alu uh which is a actually a sumerian uh demon was actually considered a shadow person you're talking about an entity and this is not actually a um for those that are watching this on youtube of course you can't see this on the uh podcast but this is not an image of alu basically it's a uh, this is just ancient sumerian culture but to give you an idea um so Alu is supposed to be a ventral spirit of the udug, which is a type of demon um, back during that time. And in these ancient cultures, they actually had good demons and bad demons, which uh, is kind of a, uh, really a different, it's a a foreign concept to us. We we think of demons as being all evil, all bad. Um, They're here to oppress us, possess us. All these different things. And yeah, there was a degree of that back then, of course, um, in more of a medical sense. So if you were suffering from some sort of affliction, then it was considered that you had a, a demon within you. And there were um, some afflictions back then that did seem well, we'll get into old hag syndrome here in a, in a little bit. However, uh, when these different things would happen to you, it was considered that you would have a a demon within you. And good demons were invoked to fight the bad demons. So if you were suffering from something and they decided that you had a, a demon within you that was causing you whatever trauma it was, then a good udug would be Summoned or invoked to fight the bad udug. Um, we don't really think of demons in that sense these days. That you know we have painted them all as bad now, but back then it was a little different. You had good ones and bad ones. Uh, I suppose today we may consider a good a good udug or a good demon an angel. Can I say that? Um, I don't know. It, it seems when you when you look at what they were considering these entities maybe that was the case, but when it comes to um, Alu specifically, let me read something off to you uh, real quick. Whom in his bed the wicked Alu covered, whom the wicked ghost by night overwhelmed. So you get a little bit of that sense of Alu coming in the middle of the night uh, to one's bed, kind of what we see with with shadow people and, uh, you know, specifically old hag syndrome, but uh, Alu was, really formless. So, um, you know, no limbs, no facial features. Um, you know, this entity, you know, basically was what we would consider a, a, a shadow person. I mean, shadow people, many shadow people do have limbs, but some don't. It, they are essentially formless. And we talk about your mist, your wisps, which might have like a hint Of a human form and they like dart across the room Um, but shadow people have no facial features and that was one of the thing of one of the things about Alu is just no facial features so this is your ancient Sumerian culture basically having a type of shadow person uh, within there that they're they are calling a demon and of course we know my stance on Uh, Shadow people are the good, are the evil And those that take the stance that all shadow people are evil No, 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 no But yes, some are And some you could even consider demonic This one was considered that However, there are some shadow people that are just fine They're rather benign Even have some stories out there of shadow people That could even be considered benevolent Yeah, yeah, there are good shadow people out there They're just like humans We have good people, we have bad people We have... Good shadow people, and we have bad shadow people. So uh, it is definitely a mix. So that is Alu, ancient Sumerian culture. Uh, where I want to go next, we'll kind of move along our uh, timeline here. And oh, this was the other one that I wanted to throw out there. I had to remind myself here. So, um, Alu is also, uh, there is a bit of relation there to uh, Lilith from the Adam and Eve uh, story, specifically within the uh, uh, some of the uh, Jewish mythology. Uh, and Lilith is supposed to be the original uh wife of Adam before Eve came along. So depending on which text that you're reading, this story does come into play. And where uh, Alu comes into play here, uh, Alu can be identified with Alo, uh, which is one of the names of Lilith in Jewish demonology. So you can kind of see how, you know, these different stories from uh, ancient times are all connected to each other. So, Shadow People to Lilith, again, I'm clicking on the wrong button here, (laughs) again, um, we see here how all different things are connected, part of the connected universe, again, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but with the ancient stories and Shadow People, yes, these things really are all connected for sure. So... But where I want to go is ancient Egypt. And so what's interesting about uh, Egypt, and actually even more so when we get to America, oh yeah, there are connections here. So the Egyptians believed that the, uh, that the human soul was split into seven different parts. I'm not going to get into all seven different parts here. The one that we are most concerned with here, however, is the kabit. So this is the shadow, uh, which is one of the parts of the soul. So I want to uh, throw out a quote here from the book of what is in the Duat or the Amduat, which is one of the ancient Egyptian funerary texts. Uh, Let thy soul be in heaven, let thy shadow penetrate the hidden place, and let thy body be to earth. So... Uh, basically what happened here is that um, there is a uh, what they believed is that at death the spiritual aspect of these souls that uh, inhabit the uh, the human body um, ascends to the stars uh, specifically out to the constellation of Orion Uh, however The animating force of the body is supposed to remain on earth with the corpse. And this force is a combination of the Ka, the double, and the Kabit, the shadow. So these are two parts of the human soul. Um, And the shadow here, uh, you can kind of see a black shadow coming out into the sunlight. So these are some different interpretations for those that are... uh, watching the live stream on YouTube. You're not gonna see it, of course, on the podcast. Uh, these are some different representations within uh, the Egyptian artwork of the the bit the shadow. Now, what's interesting here is that not only is this a concept in ancient Egypt, where they call the kabit the shadow, uh, this, the soul being in different parts, but also in Native American cultures, not all, but a number of different Native American cultures also believe that the soul is split into different parts, not necessarily seven, sometimes two parts, sometimes three parts, Uh, but one of these, uh, but one of these parts is the shadow. So the Ajiwas um, believe this, the uh, Menominee, the Choctaw, so a, a number of different uh, Native American cultures uh, have this concept of there being multiple parts of the soul. Uh, what I find kind of interesting about that is uh, there are researchers that have drawn a number of correlations between Egypt and Native Americans, there are some things here in America uh, that predate the country's discovery, the continent's discovery, or what we traditionally think as the discovery of America, um, by many, many years, uh, and there are some concepts that have uh, filtered over from Egypt into some of these cultures. This happens to be one of them the idea of the, the split soul and the shadow remaining here on Earth. So it's really interesting. We're going to see uh, some more of that as, as we go along. Now, some other different concepts um, from different cultures there's the, there's the jinn uh, from the uh, ancient Arabic traditions. Now, the jinn is considered more of a trickster type of a entity, and I get asked a lot: Is a jinn a shadow person? And I generally don't consider a jinn a shadow person. However, um, there are variations of the jinn in these different cultures that they do consider to be uh, to be a shadow. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley made a lot of, um, with her research, she made a lot of correlations between the gin and shadow people, and with the gin being a trickster, um, she made some different assertions about, um, you know, perhaps they were the ones that became the the hat man and wore the different hats to disguise and trick and things like that. Um, I don't necessarily ascribe to that. Uh, but I'm not necessarily throwing it out either. Um, you know, There's a lot of research that was put into that. And it's, and it's interesting. You are talking about a trickster type entity. And there are, um, within some of these cultures, some traditions that speak to that. Um, I think we have a question here. Um, yep, from Victoria Monday, who was the guest co host on Edge of the Rabbit Hole earlier this evening. So she says, I've heard people have to do shadow work, basically facing the dark side of yourself. Is that part of the seven souls? Is that a shadow person? Um, so if if they are of the belief that the that the body has or the the soul has seven different parts, uh, yeah, that's basically what they would be referring to. Um, I don't. I mean, I know that was an ancient Egyptian belief and some of the Native American cultures believe that. I don't necessarily myself believe in the soul having all these different parts. Um, I guess I just have a hard time believing myself being split up like that. It's kind of the, along with the concept and the idea that when we are, I I call it the home world for lack of a better term, um, when we are no longer on this earth, when we've gone into the afterlife and are in the world beyond, whatever that is, um, there are some theories out there and concepts out there that um, you know, the soul is split, not necessarily as a shadow into all these other pieces, but just that it is into multiple pieces and in multiple universes uh, at that same time. So... Um, they've talked about from the people who uh, tell these stories that um, some of the people they interact with up there are not as energetic as some others who don't seem to have as much energy as others because their soul is split and they're acting out um, lives in other worlds in that their entire soul isn't up in that home world at the moment. I don't, necessarily uh buy into all that but when they talk about shadow work that would be from my understanding yes talking about interacting with or trying to do work on that specific part of your soul so there you go i hope that answers the question all right um so next was okay shades so Um, the shades from the Greek um, mythology, that one always gets tossed out there, and I do have it in my book, like, very quickly as, yeah, the Greeks believed in the shades, but theirs was more of the shade or shadow of a person, That it's not quite them, it's them out, it's their soul outside of their body, um, on the way to the afterlife, um, many times associated with the underworld, and it's really almost like a lesser version of themselves. Um, so it's not necessarily a shadow person, but there are some connotations of this being that the shadow of a person which is a little bit different. Now, could that possibly be then? We talk a lot of times about a shadow person um, also being, or at least when maybe we're on a paranormal investigation and we observe a shadow person or a shadow, that that may not be what I would consider a quote-unquote true shadow person, which which is an interdimensional being, that it may actually be a human spirit trying to manifest into the into an apparition and can't get enough energy to do it and only comes across as a shadow um, so to me that's kind of more what this means that this is a human spirit and all that they're able to reflect at that moment is a shadow of them for of their former selves now, I have seen a Um, a shadow entity morph into an apparition. So, yeah, it is true. Some of these shadows that we see are actually human spirits. And I think what we're seeing there with the Greek is a reference uh, to that type of entity. So it wouldn't be like our, you know, true shadow person, but it would be a type of shadow uh, that takes the form of a person. I hope that makes sense. So um, all right. So from there as we get a little bit further into a little at least a little bit closer to uh, modern times, Henry Fuselli, this is the famous nightmare painting. Uh, again, those that are on the podcast are not able to see this, but basically this is the painting of the uh, woman who's kind of strewn out on the bed there's a an imp or a ghoul or whatever you want to say is sitting on her chest and then the uh black horse the mare is looking in on them so this is the nightmare painting and this is really a depiction of what we call old hag syndrome where people wake up in the middle of the night and there is some sort of entity sitting or pressing down on their chest. Uh, many, many times, it takes the form of a of an old woman, which is why we call it the uh, the old hag syndrome. Um, you know, a lot of times, of course, with the white straggly hair. A lot of times, it just comes off as a straight shadow. They can't. They don't always see it straight out like that. Um, so it may just be. Um, um, like I said, a shadow. I've I've heard one of a like a dire wolf that's sitting on the chest, which would be a bit different. It is related phenomenon, but not necessarily the old hag. Um, so the pressing on the chest is it's basically a form of sleep paralysis, and you know, my take on the whole sleep paralysis phenomenon is this is something that, uh, that is a lightning rod uh, topic about shadow people, the sleep paralysis. So the medical community loves to say that, okay, you're seeing shadow people. Well, that's just um, you know sleep paralysis, a, a, a symptom of sleep paralysis, that you're seeing this in the middle of the night. It's a hallucination. Of all the shadow people that I've seen in my life, only one had anything to do with me being in bed asleep. It was the very first time. Um, I was also awake for the whole thing even though I was in bed. Uh, there's also no sleep paralysis associated with it since my arms were moving, my head was moving. There's no there's no paralysis. I also like to make the point that um, you know, if this is supposed to be a hallucination from our sleep, well I dream about all kinds of different things in my sleep. Um, you know there could be uh, different animals, uh, vehicles, all kinds of scenery. You know, you name it, it's it's in the dream. But the only time we when we wake up and we have these hallucinations, supposedly hallucinations, they're always of people. So I don't have to subscribe to that. Um, sleep paralysis is real. I've experienced real sleep paralysis. I'm not discounting it. It does happen, but it's a phenomenon that can happen at the same time as sleep paralysis uh, and it makes sense as to why they do um, the example I like to use for this is for parents a child comes into a room into your room in the middle of the night my children love to do this instead of like tapping you on the shoulder or whatever and you know hey mom dad wake up my kids would just stand there and stare. It's like they were almost afraid to to wake me up or whatever. But they were going to stand there because they wanted to wake me up, and they were just like figuring out what they were going to do. But I would feel the presence uh, of their of their body there. You know, the people have a an aura about them. They have an energy about them, and when somebody is near, you feel their presence. And so, in my sleep, I would. Feel the presence of my child standing next to the bed, and I would wake up, and they'd be like, do what do you want?" So when this happens with shadow people, we're feeling the presence of the shadow person at the end of the bed, in the corner of the room, whatever it is, we're feeling that, and we wake up. Well, sometimes we don't fully awake, and we're we're in sleep paralysis because it, it's a natural thing that happens. Sometimes we just don't fully awake. Um, and what woke us at that point in time was the shadow person so we're seeing what woke us up but we're having sleep paralysis at the time not because that thing is giving it to us not because we're hallucinating but because it's just a natural thing that happens sometimes so the old hag syndrome is related to that people are waking up the thing is sitting on their chest so they feel paralyzed but, however, that still doesn't always happen. There are people that have reported the, having the old hag syndrome, but they're not paralyzed. There's, there's an account in A Walk in the Shadows where a couple of different accounts um, of people waking up, still being able to move. The one guy was able to throw the old hag off of his chest onto the floor. Um, so, yeah, it's not 100% across the board that this is happening. What I find interesting when it comes to this um, is the amount of uh, cultures across the world that are reporting very similar activity for thousands and thousands of years um, just to give a couple of, of examples and I mentioned them in the book I mentioned them in the video on the Hunter Road Media Channel um, like Pakistan, Shaitan phenomena is believed to be caused by an evil jinn or demon who has taken over a person's body. Uh, Persian culture, Bakhtak. ghost-like entity who sits on the chest of a sleeping person. Turkey, Karabasan, the Dark Presser, a type of evil spirit. Um, Ethiopia, Dukak, literally means depression, but also the name of an evil, evil spirit that possesses people during their sleep. Um, China, Guiyashin ghost pressing on body or ghost pressing on bed. Of course, we have, um, you know, the uh, Scandinavian folklore, mare, evil female entity which rides on people's chests while they sleep. Uh, Brazil, a tall, skinny old woman with white tangled hair who steps on the chest of those who sleep with a full stomach. So, these are cultures and that's just a small sample. Um, there's a massive, massive list. Cultures from all over the world, all over time, which have um, experienced this similar phenomenon. Cultures that didn't have any connection to each other, and yet they all reported very, very similar things. Um, you know, it's, it's the same phenomenon worldwide. It's not just this. Isn't something that's new. Uh, like I said at the very beginning of this show, you know, I get asked a lot you know is this just something that's a recent phenomenon because the internet uh, because the television shows are coming out talking about this Uh, no no people have been talking about this for thousands of years this is not new shadow people have been around a long long time so let me get to some of your questions here I also want to say since it's getting toward the uh, bottom of the hour here that the uh, podcast version of this show is uh, being broadcast on KGRARadio.com as well as Spotify and other platforms. But um, yeah, we're now, as well as Edge of the Rabbit Hole, uh, airing on KGRARadio.com. So uh, some of the questions here from, let's see, Betty Langy, Mike, do you think Poe tried to write about shadow people in his stories? Uh, Poe wrote about a lot of different things in his stories. Um, you might be able to interpret some of those as shadow people. Um, uh, he wrote about a lot of different phenomena, he wrote about a lot of different dark topics, um, a lot of it just simply had to do with the dark side of human nature, not necessarily shadow people or supernatural entities or anything like that, uh, a lot of it just had to do with the dark side of, of human nature, um, but you could probably interpret some of his writing into shadow people. In fact, <clears throat> I quote uh, Poe's oval portrait in A Walk in the Shadows. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So also from Betty, Mike, I feel com- uh, complete body fear when I experience sleep paralysis. Do you? So great question. Um, the first time that I experienced sleep paralysis, uh, yeah, I was I was scared. I, I was 22 years old. I had never experienced anything like this. Um, my experience was um, a little different than many other people's. Uh, there's there's two different ways to uh, enter sleep paralysis. One is when you're waking and your body doesn't fully awake. Your your mind completely wakes up but your body remains in the paralysis state. And the sleep paralysis part is completely natural. It's what your body does to to basically prevent you from acting out your dreams while you're sleeping. But sometimes when you're waking, the body doesn't completely wake up. And that's typically the case. But there are several other people who um, actually... Enter into sleep paralysis while their mind is still awake. So basically, your body falls asleep, and your mind has not yet. And so this is essentially what has happened to me twice: uh, once when I was thir- thirty-two, once when I was twenty-two, and once when I was thirty-seven. Uh, the first time it happened to me, I was extremely scared because it, it something that had never happened to me before. Uh, I was sitting down. Um, I was in a work situation, and I couldn't. I was. Could not be sleeping at the time, but um, my body was exhausted, and it just, boom, turned off. My mind stayed awake. So it was, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that all of a sudden my body couldn't move was extremely frightening. I wasn't sure how to get out of that uh, situation. If I could get out of it, um, if I was going to be caught by my superiors, um, especially if I was there for a long period of time, I surely would have been. Um, that was, I would have been missed and then I would have been caught and then I would have gotten into a lot of trouble because I was in, in the military at the time, yeah. So, not very good. So, yes, very frightened. I ended up, um, deciding to see what body parts I could possibly move. And I started by trying to wiggle a toe, could I wiggle a toe? And then once I was, I tried another one. And once I was able to work with that, tried another and basically slowly worked up my body. So, so toes to foot, you know, to to get some feeling in my leg and my knee, kind of moving my knee a little bit up the body to finally waking up my mind. The second time it happened, I was a little scared, but not as much because I'd been through it before and I knew how to get out of it. And I just basically followed the same pattern again. I mean, when it, when it happened when I was 37, I was like, oh crap, um, not this again. And there's a little bit of a fear because you, again, wonder, you still wonder, am I going to be able to get out of this? And then it hit me, okay, this has happened before. Let me try to do this again. And boom, I was able to get out of it. So it's a good question, though. Um, so, fungi, fungi, why most of them are female? Well, not necessarily um I think we related we probably related to that because a lot of these seem to have long wispy hair a lot of people do report it as a um, you know, as an old woman sitting on their chest but a lot of people also report it as a um as a ghoul or I guess people don't really use the word imp anymore they might use like creature like I said there's one that was a dire wolf that was on their chest but I think it's um Okay, so I had the one well, I think both of these images that I threw up here, so this one you see kind of the long wispy hair um, the other one here this is just as a shadow again, the long hair, and I think that's and I think that's where people uh draw that correlation uh very. Uh, very emaciated, very, very skinny, um, kind of scraggly body shape. Um, it has long hair, kind of the sunken eyes, if they can see eyes. A lot of times, and see, that's the thing, this is a shadow related phenomenon, and we relate it to an old woman or a ghoul, but most times people don't see the features. Which is why it's a shadow-related ph- phenomenon. Even though sometimes people can, many times people cannot. Um, they just kind of see the body shape and an outline. There's a darkness. Um, they're they're feeling the pressure on their chest, and I think it's that long wispy hair that people end up relating it to something female. Um, they may even, re- I mean, they may even be getting some sort of aura or you know sense of an energy off the entity that it may be female um, you know there we could get into uh, incubus succubus all those sorts of things with this as well since that phenomena does get tossed in here with the with the sleep paralysis and the the chest pressing and things like that that um, you know something sexually will be acted out by this entity um, it, it, and that could be male or female. Again, you know, incubus is the male version; succubus is the female version. So that type of uh, interaction happens here sometimes too. Um, Robert Hannah, do you believe uh, Hatman is connected to these entities captured on these paintings? So hat, the Hatman is another type of uh, another type of phenomenon—a um, shadow person phenomenon. And yeah, I mean, they're they're all related to some degree or another. Um, we were talking earlier with Mary Marshall about how we kind of lump a lot of these things into one category. So uh, we, we talked about that in relation to, you know, all shadow people being considered evil, nasty, and nefarious beings. And they're not always. Um, some are, yes and because these things are shadows, and so they are dark, and we don't understand them, and we fear what we don't understand, we just all lump them into one thing. Um, so, they're all related, because they're all shadows, but they all have their different characteristics, um, I think even within each type of characteristic, whether it's a you know humanoid figure, or shadow person, or shadow person, or a hat man, or a crawler, or a wisp, or a mist, or what? I, I think that even within those, because I mean, we're just categorizing based off of physicality, um, I believe they each have their own free will. Uh, they don't have their own decision-making skills, and they each have their kind of own agenda and I means, just like we do as people. Um, I don't know why we don't give these things a personality, it's kind of like, well, because it's, you know, a dark entity, it doesn't have a personality, it just has this goal to strike fear into us and do mean, nasty things, so when it comes to the hat man, I know I just said all that, when it comes to the hat man, he is considered more of one of the more nefarious uh, type of entities, because he seems to strike fear into people and then feed off of that, Fear, which would be an energy vampire and that does seem to truly be the case for many of these but that may not be the case for all you do hear stories of the hat man just standing there and not actually doing anything and other times he does um is he related to these well they're all they're all related because they're all types of shadow phenomena. now was the hat man around back in ancient sumerian times possibly um so when we hear about uh the hat man sightings a lot of people think of the fedora trench coat so he must be something out of the 1940s um and one of the hat man sightings was during the 1950s during the um kind of during one of the big UFO flaps, and he was considered a man in black. But when you read the account, it's like, this isn't really a man in black sighting. This is more of a of a hat man sighting. So that's back in the 1950s, wearing that type of regalia. Well, there are hat man sightings of him wearing something like a wide-brimmed hat, like out of out of Zorro, and, um, there are reports, at least one, that I've had of him wearing an archer type hat out of something like Robin Hood. So now you even going back even further. Or a top hat and a cape, like the Victorian era. So we see multiple eras here uh, from their from their garb. So are we seeing somebody, okay, the idea of a jin or a trickster dressing up like one of these entities to try to trick us and fool us and because this was maybe the last time frame that they interacted with they're like well that's what humans were wearing not knowing that we're further in the future you know or is it we're seeing a shadow of somebody or something from that era and that is what the person actually is wearing like i said before some of these shadow entities are human entities they're human spirits they can't fully manifest so are we actually seeing a person from you know 1879 wearing a top hat and a cape maybe maybe and so that's what their actual clothing is so it's um of course we don't know all the answers for that yet you know we're trying to work through some of these different ideas and as we get more information we put it together um all right, so Victoria Monday is lucid dreaming along the same lines as sleep paralysis. I'm aware that I'm dreaming, but I'm not moving. Usually I end up solving an issue that's on my mind. So um, when you do lucid dreaming um, or even astral projection, you do uh, put yourself into a type of state of sleep paralysis, uh, in one in which your your mind is conscious, but your body is unable to move. So yes, it is related to sleep paralysis. It's completely natural. Absolutely. Um, Alina the Fam. Uh, there was a hooded type shadow figure in my room about a month ago. Last week, I almost lost my cat. Do you think that was a warning? Uh, interesting about the um, about the hooded figures. And so one of the stories, uh, Alina, I know you have the book, A Walk in the Shadows. Uh, read the stories about... Uh, Uh, Tanya and Tammy Hain, uh, the twins, Um, they had thought, now I'm not saying this is going to be the case with with your cat, um, but they had that same type of concern uh, when it came, I can't remember if it was uh, Tanya or Tammy, Um, I always get the two mixed up, but uh, one of them had the son with medical issues, and they kept seeing the uh, hooded figure kind of walking in and out of his room, kind of watching over him. Um, She never got the sense that it was there to do any harm, but she was wondering if it was an omen that he was about to be taken, and she kept flipping back and forth whether it was he was going to be taken or that he was going to be helped. She never felt like like this thing was a danger to him, only that it was watching him, overseeing him, and just wondering, okay, is this a sign or what? Um... Later on, when they were at the doctor's office, there was a moment in which, and he kept being tested and tested, and running through the same test, basically. And they ran through, had run through the same test again um, with similar results again. But then there was a moment in which the doctor kind of turned his head like he was listening to somebody speak in his ear. And all of a sudden came back and said, you know, let's try these other tests. And those tests actually showed that what what their previous diagnosis was was wrong, and it was actually this this other problem that was actually you know a, a better situation. Um, they had, of course had to do some things. but after that moment, they never saw the hooded figure again. and you know, they believed that um, the entity, while they couldn't see it at the doctor's office, was actually whispering in his ear. So that was one in which the hooded figure was a more, I guess, benevolent uh, sort of entity. So again, you know here's a moment with a with a shadow person didn't do anything evil nefarious whatever seemed to be more um yes a watcher but more uh to kind of oversee and and look after uh, and ultimately uh give the doctor some advice so it's a very very different perspective than most people are used to so um Mr. CO2, quit trying to wiggle your toes and let the sleep paralysis happen. Um, Not when you uh, don't want to get caught at work and um, you you have to wake up. Yeah. Um, not, not a good idea to get caught and get fired. Um, and since I was in the military at the time, uh, when the first time it happened, yeah, that would have been really bad. So, um, yeah. All right, so... Let's move a little bit further down the uh the timeline here so old hag syndrome i know i mentioned that with henry fuseli because of when of his painting but old hag syndrome has been happening for thousands of years uh to people from all over so um in that video i put out last week or a week and a half ago I mentioned Madame d'Espérance. Now she's a controversial figure because uh, she was during the spirit, uh, around during the spiritualism movement of the late 1800s and um, into the early uh, 1900s. She's a controversial figure because uh, some of her different uh, parlor theatrics were basically proven to be fraudulent. However, I had thrown her into the video, not for all of that stuff, but because of her stories of growing up in a haunted house. And in this haunted house, um, she was seeing shadow people, which specifically shows here, this is an article from 187 was 1897, um, but talking about when she was growing up as a child in this house. And what's interesting about this article is, or at least her experiences, when she was younger, she she was experiencing both ghosts in the house uh, and shadow people. And she was more friendly with the shadow people, and she was scared of the ghosts. And she would call on her shadow friends to come help her with the ghosts and make her feel safe so that the ghosts weren't scaring her. It was very, very interesting. Um, her perspective as a child that the shadows were her friends and were protecting her from the ghosts in her house. Now, as she got older, and you can—I I don't know how well you guys can can see this—and of course, on the podcast, you're not going to be able to see it at all. Um, but as she got older, she actually became a little bit more afraid of the shadow people when they started uh, appearing. To her basically after um, uh, as, as she got older and got married and started having children um, she started seeing more of these entities again uh, there was something about that time of her life where uh, her abilities it was it was basically like she saw them when she was younger then she had this period of time where things were turned off and then when she got into her uh, adulthood everything kind of turned back on again and so the shadow people she started experiencing as an adult were a little bit more um, I I guess they were a little bit more nefarious in nature at that time so you can see even in one person's life where she's experiencing different types of shadow people some who were more helpful when she was younger and then ones that she experienced when she was older were a little bit more nefarious Um, so Interesting perspective from her. Even though, yeah, when she was older, she did some of the, you know, parlor tricks from the spiritualism movement, which is kind of how we, you know, it's a shame they were because that was a interesting period of time in which spirituality was being opened up, and they were. It's kind of like now, but you know, um, at a different. Uh, what do I want to say? The you know. Style and customs and all that were different, but you know we've become really open right now to exploring this type of activity. They were back then, but then you had so many different charlatans come come along and kind of ruin it for everyone that there was this chunk of time, a large chunk of time during the 20th century where basically that was all shut down. Um, And if you were started talking about ghosts or whatever, then you know you were ostracized. But back then. People were a lot more open to it uh, for a period of time, which was pretty interesting. But um, but one of the things that I like to show here with this is that they were specifically calling it shadow people back then. Uh, this is not a new term at all. Um, and we see here in you know this one, I think this was the one from ni- it was either 1903 or 1909. Again, stories of uh, the land of shadow people. Um, there's stories of Irish shadow people. This was an article from the 1930s. Um, and then as the movement kind of got shut down for a while, uh, it kind of got thrown into, okay, so this is a fiction book, The Shadow People uh, from the 1960s. So it starts entering more of a uh, fictional type of a realm because There was just a a certain period of our history where, at least recent history, where we couldn't really talk about uh, this on a serious level without being considered crazy. Uh, Then we even see it in uh, some artwork from uh, this from 1974. These are very, very creepy sculptures that were uh, created by an artist in Italy. Um, And so it's just uh, interesting to see how. Shadow people evolved over time, at least in the way that they were talked about and represented. And it's still all the same phenomenon, but depending on your time period, they had to be talked about in a little bit of a different fashion. So, you know, whether it was through Henry Fuseli's artwork, you saw the ancient Egyptian artwork, um... You saw those, you know, weird sculptures, of course, we've seen it in stories. Um, There were, you know, poetry about shadow people. So these things have been with us throughout all time. But because of our culture at the time, we've had to show them in, um, represent them in in different ways according to whatever the culture is at the time. So now these days, of course, the Internet has uh, proliferated so many different stories. We're seeing a lot of these things represented on Paranormal television shows these days. Although there was a certain uh, point in time there where Paranormal shows didn't want to go down the route of shadow people. You know, if you say, you know, uh, about a haunted location, well, you know, I saw a shadow. Well, that, that kind of wasn't good enough for a show for a while. Um, you know, it was like well you know we want you know, we want the stuff about apparitions we want stuff about demons or whatever shadow people are starting to come a little bit more in vogue on these things now because they're starting to realize that there's something more to these entities that they're something a little bit more interdimensional in nature and what have you that these things actually have been around for a long time we could be uh, interacting with you know either more ancient entities or Or maybe these are forms of ourselves from different points in time. So almost like a a a type of time traveler that we may be interacting with. Um, We could even get into things like the simulated universe. And you know, if we are living in a simulation, you know, are these some sort of entity that have entered into our simulation from the uh, from the outside, the maybe quote-unquote homeworld or whatever, and this is all that's able to be generated within here to to watch us and our interactions and what have you. So, I think um, they're becoming a little bit more open to discussing these type of entities. So, from from moment in history to moment in history, they've always been with us. Just represented a little bit a different way because each culture is going to see it. You know, a little bit differently, but like we saw with the old hag syndrome, it was still all the same stuff, it just got shown a little differently. So, um, thought I got buzzed for a question, but I guess not. Um, let's see what else you guys might have in here. Yes, definitely glad we can talk about them now. There's um, many, many different aspects to this thing uh to these things. In in my book, A Walk in the Shadows, we cover uh a lot of different you know, we hit the first, you know, the different types. And we've kind of done that with here a little bit with humanoid figure, hat man Crawler, we've talked to old Hag syndrome, we're into the sleep paralysis stuff. Um and whether or not they're inner some of them are interdimensional beings. Some of them are just human spirits. Some of them could be time travelers. There's also the interesting aspect of, could some of these be extraterrestrials? And not just, you know, like aliens and and little green men in spacesuits, and they happen to be like a dark or black spacesuit, but, you know, could they be astral projecting to our planet from another dimension, another place in time? Um, Well, that would be the time traveler. But, you know, from wherever their home world is, coming here instead of using a spaceship are they projecting their consciousness across the universe and when it comes into our world is that how we're seeing it as a humanoid figure or as something else because some of these shadows don't take the form of a human figure sometimes it looks like an animal sometimes we can't even tell what it is that it's some sort of weird shadow whatever um is that what the crawlers are sometimes? I mean, it's, it's always a possibility, so. Um, you guys are drinking extra strong coffee down there? Are you seriously, like really right now? I mean, I'm a coffee drinker. Just, I'm just looking down at the chat here and I'm seeing you guys talking about dark coffee this late at night. I mean, I've done it <laughs> many times. But I'm also a little crazy when it comes to coffee so. um, Oh, Betty Langan My sister used to listen to The Shadow on the radio Uh, Yeah, the old Shadow radio show So basically, um, that started as uh, Pulp Fiction novels Um, What was the guy's name? I I actually covered him in... um, Was it the Tulpa? Yeah, it was the Tulpa video that I put out there uh, a few weeks back on the Hunter Road Media channel. Does anybody have his name down there? Um, But he created the Pulp Fiction novels starting in the 1930s, became the radio show. Uh, We've seen different variations of this over the years, but yeah, the whole The Shadow Knows, Um, yeah, always lurking in the shadows. So what's interesting is in uh His old apartment In uh, New York City There it, It's haunted And it's haunted by a Hat-wearing Shadow entity But there is an idea In John Keel Who wrote the Mothman Prophecies He actually talks about this In like chapter one of that book And it's like Okay this is Supposed to be about the Mothman He's, he's talking about this thing Being a, a tulpa Um in that apartment, that, you know, because uh, the author had put so much energy into writing his character for all those years at this apartment, did he put the thoughts out into the universe that essentially created this entity that's now running around the apartment, so the, the idea of the of the Topa comes from the uh, Buddhist concept of the thought form, to basically be able to create a sentient being from your own thoughts. So that even calls into question, are some of these uh, the shadow entities that we see running around, were they created by the thought form, or the thoughts of somebody, You know, somebody's thought form that, that's running around out there? Um, and if that's true, you think how far back Buddhist traditions go You know, some of these could be, you know, originally the thoughts of somebody from 500, 1,000 years ago, you know, whatever, that they're still running around out there today. Um, Really, really interesting. So, um, Papa Bear says, Lamont Cranston. I don't think that's right. Um, I'm not going to dig it up at the moment, but, um, yeah, Victoria Monday. If putting thoughts out there in the universe creates things, then we are screwed if we read Stephen King books. Well, um, I don't think Stephen King is necessarily putting the thoughts out there like that to actually create it. However, um, you know, people do claim that about things like Slender Man. You know, was Slender Man created because of uh, the thoughts of everybody coming to better, together to create this? But there are even... Um, Groups out there, you can find this stuff on, on the internet. There's Facebook groups on this as well um, of creating topos, and they call it topomancy. Where people, and it's kind of a younger crowd that does this. I, I, I shouldn't generalize, but it does seem that the demographic is more to the younger crowd where they're trying to um, create thought forms of like their favorite anime characters and things like that to almost. Uh, basically hang out with them, and and people kind of scoff at them as like, oh, you're trying to create your own imaginary friend, and there's even, you know, of course, an idea out there that a lot of uh, people who experienced imaginary friends as children were experiencing some sort of haunting, that they were actually interacting with some spirit or entity that was in the house, Um, and that may be true for some people. I I had some imaginary friends growing up, but I can't ever say that they were, um, you know, that they were some sort of entity or haunting or something like that, because I don't ever recall seeing them, um, you know, I was, you know, of course, a very creative child, and, you know, I would interact with, you know, what I was thinking, I guess, myself, um, if it was something else, I don't I don't know, I can't say that it was because I don't recall seeing anything else while I was doing that. But some people do. Some people actually, um, you know, sincerely see another, sometimes it's another child or, you know, it's just a whole, it's just a person um, that they are actually interacting with and that's their, um, the parents would call it an imaginary friend, but to them, it's their friend. So, um, all right. So, we are at our hour mark here, and unless there's any other questions, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I do want to thank you guys for hanging out and talking about the um, history of shadow people this evening. So, of course, pick up the book, A Walk in the Shadows. I do have a much more extensive uh, chapter on shadow people throughout history on that, and as we get more into the connective connected universe, the shadow dimension, all that stuff. We're going to dive more into this because um, the history of shadow people and this type of supernatural phenomena is very important to uh, many things that we're going to be covering uh, throughout all of this. Um, We've lost so much to time. Uh, You know, the way that we used to use a lot of this old technology you know how in the world did we build things like the pyramids what in the world were things like the the standing stones like stonehenge and things like that what were they used for what was the technology that we lost there to be able to create these different megalithic structures there is a component of spirituality that's that's been lost the way we interacted with the stars and then of course the shadow is throughout all of our uh cultures across the world throughout all time so these things are all connected to each other and we'll continue to cover that